Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. I want to start in Psalms 23. As I started thinking about our last day and all of the things that God has been speaking to us and, and kind of rounding out this series, I thought, how can you talk about gathering around tables, gathering around food, and not look at Psalm 23 and 5, where it says, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I hear you saying it along because it's not an unfamiliar passage of scripture that he has prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies and has anointed your head with oil and your cup overflows. And when I think about the fact that he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies, it reminds me of that great God that nothing is outside of his reach and that nothing is too far for him. That even in the midst of my battle, even when it looks like I'm being attacked on all sides, there's an anchoring moment in God that comes back and says, I've prepared a table before you. So don't look at what's going on around you and don't look at who's speaking against you. Just look at the fact that I have have prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies. And then I love that it says that he anoints our head with oil. When it anoints our head with oil, it speaks to us of his protection, of his hand that surrounds us and that guards us and that pushes off every pestilence or every torment that would try to come against us. See, what that's speaking to is the fact that shepherds would anoint their sheep with oil. They would take oil and they would rub it on the heads and the ears and the eyes of their sheep. And it would create a guard to keep the gnats and the the flies away from their ears and their eyes so their hearing and their vision could still be clear as they were walking in the path of the shepherd, that it would guard them from every pestilence. And I love that he anoints us with oil and says, I'm going to put something on you that protects you from everything that tries to come around you, that tries to distract you, that tries to get your vision off of me. I love that he anoints us with oil and that our cup overflows because we serve an abundant God doesn't just say that I've made sure that you had something to drink at my table. It says you prepared a table and my cup overflows because when we find Jesus at our table, we find a place of abundance. We find a place of overwhelming, of life's lived to full. He said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, that there is no scarcity to be found in him, that there's no lack to be found in him, but that there's abundance that we find in him. But if I can back up all the way to the front of the verse, it says, you have prepared a table for me. The fact that God Almighty has prepared a table for me. Who knows that the table that you come to and the table that you eat at and the hands that have prepared the table matter. How many know there are some people that when you hear that they're preparing a table, you're like, ah, we might eat some fast food on our way over too, just in case. And there are other people that when you hear that they're preparing a table, you're like, don't eat for two days in advance because we are about to throw down. 
It matters who prepares your table. And the scripture tells us that he has prepared a table for us. And he's inviting us to come to that table. Psalms 34, 4 through 8 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Come and taste of his table and see that the Lord is good. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the table that you have prepared for us, for the places that you have prepared for us. We thank you for your holy word that speaks to us and we ask you today to give us ears to hear you clearly. I ask you to speak through me clearly today, God. Let my thoughts be clear, let my words be clear. Let your spirit be on them and let them go deep into our lives. Let them take root in us. Let them be planted in us. Let them produce fruit in us in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk today about the table that has been prepared for you. A table that has been prepared for you by the hand of God. I want to remind us about maybe the first table that we should be coming to before we run after setting our own tables, before we run after preparing our own places, that there is a table prepared for us by God. That at the end of the day, the point of my table is to share what I have eaten from his table. That he has created us to be distribution centers of the things that we taste and we see and we experience at the hand and at the table of God. That I can't run after preparing my table if I haven't first taken the time to come and to eat at his table. To come and see and taste what is it that he's serving? What is it that I'm meant to be distributing? What is it that I've experienced in his presence that I'm now taking out into someone else's presence? I have this bad habit of cooking things for the first time when we are like hosting, when we're bringing people over. I know, I know. It's like hosting 101 that you serve your tried and true dishes. And I don't know what my problem is. I get like excited about someone new coming and then I wanna make something new and exciting. It's like my creative genes going on. I want something new for the new experience. And so then I try something new with new people. I did it this last week. We had our neighbors over on President's Day for lunch, and instead of making something that I've made a dozen times and I know is faithful, I was like, I'm going to try this new thing I saw. And it turned out okay, but like while I was, <laughs> while I was eating it, I was like, ah, oh, I wish like I would have done the crust like this, because it would have been a little bit crunchier if I would have done that. And it, it tastes like it could use just a little bit more of that one seasoning. Because, because why would you bring someone to your table and serve them something that you have never tasted yourself? I don't know. It's not good advice. 
Don't do it to me. If you invite me to your house, double standards all day long. I want something that you have tasted. I want something that you are sure is going to come out. So how can we invite people to our tables and we have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good? We have not come and sat at his table. In great contrast to that, Phil took me on this nice dinner, I think for one of our anniversaries, we went to this really fancy place. And when you go to this place, they have this way that you can order. It's called the chef's menu. And you don't even decide what you're going to eat. What you do is you say, I'll take the chef's menu. And then the chef brings you out all of the best things that he has prepared. All of the things that he says, I know just how this is going to turn out. And this is what I specialize in. And they bring you dish after dish after dish of what the chef has decided is what you need to eat tonight. And all of it turns out immaculate. It says that he has prepared a table for you. And he has set that table with all of his best choice things. And he has set that table with all of his good and perfect gifts. And he has set that table expressly with you in mind, knowing what you need to taste in this season, knowing what you need to eat on in this season, knowing what you need to be filled with in this season. He's not just bringing you what comes out quickly. He's bringing you exactly what you need. And he has designed that table with you in mind and he wants you to come and to eat of his table to experience his goodness and so that you know what to take and prepare on your table you can't tell someone of his goodness if you haven't tasted and seen for yourself if you haven't experienced it for yourself if you haven't leaned into all of his goodness for yourself, if you haven't taken the time in your day and your week and your minute, like Phil was saying, to slow down and sit at the table that has been prepared for you. When we walk back through Psalms 34, it tells us the things that he's serving up at his table. It says, he answered me. At his table, we hear the answers that God is bringing to you. The questions that we're crying out, how often do we throw up questions to God and throw up wonderings to God and throw out things that we're asking and then we move on to our next thing. And he's saying, if you would come and sit at my table, I have answers for you at this table. I have solutions for you at this table. I have what you need right here at my table. He delivered me. Come on. He set me free. He released the bounds of the captives. He broke every chain. Every addiction came off at his table. Every sickness came off at his table. Everything that was binding and holding your mind and your thoughts came off at his table. He released you from captivity at his table. If you will take the time to come and sit and eat and taste and see that the Lord is good and deliverance is available at his table said those who come and eat at his table will never be ashamed that shame is lifted from you at his table oh I know you did it and I know you know you shouldn't have done it and I know it was done to you and I know you think that you can't be brought out of it and I know you're embarrassed by it and I know you don't want to talk to anybody about it but if you'll just come and sit at his table shame will be lifted off of you Shame will be pulled off of you because it says that he is the lifter of my head. 
The next verse says that those who are with him are radiant. That his face shines upon them because shame puts you downcast. Shame gives you a, a, a downward spirit, a grayward feeling and appearance and a covering in. But it says the shame will be lifted off of you. You will never be ashamed at his table. And you will be radiant instead. That he heard you. When you came to his table, you taste and see that he heard your cry. How many know that you want to be heard by God? That I want to know that when I lift up my voice that he hears me on the other side. That I'm not speaking to the wind. I'm not speaking to the walls. I'm not speaking to the clouds or to the ceiling. I'm speaking to the God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And when I come to his table, I rest in assurance that he has heard my cry. And then it says that he saved me. Come on, he delivered me and he saved me. He delivered me because he set me free. He saved me because he brought me out of captivity into his marvelous light. That my soul, my spirit will now be found in eternity with him. That I live in blessed assurance that I will see him again. That I will rise with the resurrected on the other side of glory. That I have been brought into full and right relationship with God. That he has saved me. At his table and we have to come to his table we have to taste and see so that we can be those who can distribute the thing that we can be those who distribute his answers his deliverance his lifting of shame that he has heard our voice and that he is our saving God you have to ask yourself do you have anything to offer at your table have you tasted of his presence? Have you tasted of his goodness? Or are you just making up something new every time you invite somebody to your table? Have we become too busy, too hurried? Are we running too fast? Are we too good at excuses to come and sit at the table that he has prepared for us? I want to look at Luke 14. It's one of the parables of Jesus. We're going to look at Luke 14 and 15, starting in verse 15. It's what's often known as the parable of the great feast. Jesus is speaking, and it starts out in verse 15. It says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, being Jesus, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet had come, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. For the first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And then another said, and I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And then it goes on and it says that the servant told his master about all of these things. And so then they went and they started to gather other people from the city, people who wouldn't have originally been invited to the feast. And the room still wasn't full because we have a God of abundance who desires our lives to be full and his kingdom and his presence and his table to be full. He said, go out again and from the highways and the byways, gather people into my 
into my banquet. And he gathered them in again. But I want to focus on what's happening here in this section where he sends them out. He sends out his servant to say, go and tell people that my feast is ready. And all of a sudden they have all of these reasons why they can't come. So the thing I want us to understand is that the banquet is a picture to us of the kingdom of God. It's a picture of the place that he is preparing for us. It gives us a picture of of being invited into his presence. And what we need to make sure that we understand is that these people would have already answered a, a correct, a positive RSVP to come to this banquet. What would have happened in context at the time is that I, as a host, would have said, hey, I'm throwing a banquet in a few weeks. You would have responded, similar to what you would do now, yes, I can come to that. And then when all of the food was prepared, a servant would go out and say, everything's ready, you can come now. So these people have already responded and said, yes, I want to come. And how many of us have responded to the things of God and said, yes, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. God, whatever's going on, I want to be part of it. We've prayed the Psalms 27 prayer. Oh, that I would be found in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But then the time comes and he brings out and he says, hey, now is that moment. That thing you said yes to, that thing you answered so passionately to, that thing you were so excited to be a part of, now is the time, now is the moment, now is your chance and your opportunity to come on in to the banquet I have prepared for you. And they have these three excuses. The first says, I have bought field and property. So what we need to know before we go in them is that all of these excuses are really pretty lame. Right? They all, first of all, they all have said yes already. How annoying is it when you invite a bunch of people over and they say, yeah, I'm going to come. And then you prepare all of this food and then like half of them bail on you. Oh, that's what these guys are. They're all those people. Don't be those people. Because the thing about the field is that he says, I have bought a field. I have to go inspect it. Who buys a field before inspecting it? No one. He would have inspected his field already, right? But the field speaks to us of our possessions and of our property. Basically, he's saying, I've acquired some things in my life, and now all of a sudden I'm not sure if coming to your banquet is as big of a deal to me as it used to be. And then one says that I've bought five oxen, and the five oxen speak to us of our work and of the things in our hand, of our careers, and the things that we give our time to. And then the last one says, I've, I've married a wife, which speaks to us of our relationships. Their possessions, their work, and their relationships kept them from keeping the commitment they had already made and from coming to the great banquet, which is the kingdom of God that had been prepared for them. And I have to think how little we've changed in thousands of years. That we have the same old, tired excuses. That beforehand we said, God, I'm so excited. Sign me up for everything you're doing. And then he says, awesome, I'm going to prepare a few things for you. And then he comes back and he says, everything has been prepared. Now come. Now is the time for that thing that you said yes to. But all we have to say is, oh, well, now I have a bunch of stuff that needs my attention. 
All of my gardening has to get done still because I, I have that house that I asked you for now. And, and all, my boat only seems to work on the weekends now because you gave me that thing that I asked you for, God. And, and how am I going to show up? And he says, hey, that thing is prepared now. Come, come and eat at my table. Come and taste of the things that I have planned and prepared for you. And we say, oh, I'm so busy with that job that you gave me. My time is so full with doing the work and the things that you have that you opened up for me, God. God, I'm so busy pursuing my purpose that you gave to me. Your purpose is always secondary to pursuing his presence. Nothing comes above pursuing his presence. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm not just talking about our careers. Sure, that. But how about before that, when we're laying the foundation of the kind of people that we're going to be and the kinds of lives that we're going to pursue? And all of a sudden, we start working our first jobs. Or we start getting out there. I'm talking about our high school students and our college students. And now you're so eager to make a deadline and you're so eager to make a paycheck. And I know when you're clocking those hours, every single one counts when you're stretching your budget. But I promise you, if you commit to seeking his kingdom first, to showing up at his table first, that he will provide for you. That he will give you increase by the works of his hands. When you commit to saying, I committed to being in my life group. I committed to being there on Sunday mornings. I committed to being available from this. And I'm not telling you this because I'm a pastor and it's a nice thing. I'm telling you this because I've sat at his table and I've tasted and seen. And I remember when I was just a hostess, but I said, I don't work on Sundays. And for some reason, they gave me a $2 raise over all of the other hostesses. When you're a hostess. Just a $2 raise is like a double in what you're making. Because I remember when I said, God, it's not working. And I think I'm going to need to start asking to work on Sundays. And I heard him so clearly say to me as I was wiping a table in a restaurant, do you trust me or not? And I knew that he was telling me that I had to keep walking it out and keep the first commitment that I'd made to him when I said, yes, God, I want to be found in your house all the days of my life. And so I didn't go after that shift on Sunday, even though it would have paid time and a half. And what came in in its place is an opportunity on another cafe on Saturday mornings before my other shift to show up and to work. Because I've tasted from his table, I guarantee you that if you will put seeking his kingdom first, that he will provide, that he will order your steps, that you will never have to run after a paycheck in your life. Because abundance is found at his table. Abundance is found in his presence. And the next guy says, I've married a wife. Bro, you didn't know that was going on two weeks ago when you RSVP'd? Like, what has been happening in your life? And it's a ridiculous excuse in context because while there were some restrictions around things like travel or serving in the military for men who were married of of the Jewish custom within their first year of marriage, there was nothing that would have restricted them from going to a social occasion like a banquet. And like I said, he knew that when he signed up. But he RSVP'd anyway. But how often do we use our relationships? I mean, now, my kids are like my favorite out of a social event if I don't really want to go. 
or like if I need to get home early, they are the best. No one can ever be upset with you when you're like, oh, the kids have to get in bed. That's why we have to leave. That's code for I have to get in bed. That's why we need to leave, right? We have got to go. But how often do we take all of the relationships in our life? I'm not just talking about the obvious ones. Sure, we use things like our kids and our marriages, and we allow them to pull us out. But anything, any relationship in your life that is pulling you away from the table of God, from the presence of God, from the place where he is trying to feed you, is a relationship that you have created as an idol in your life, that you have put up above his presence. And every relationship that is out of order needs to come back into proper order and say, I need relationships in my life that press me into your presence, that press me towards your table, that draw me. And let's be people who draw others to his table, that bring others to his table, that bring our kids and our next generation to his table and say, before you run after all of these things, taste and see what's at this table. Before you run after your person, It's going to be so big, baby, and it's going to be so awesome, but you got to come and taste what's at this table before you run after it. Make sure you're filled with the right things. Let's be people who draw to the table of his presence. And the man at the beginning of the scripture, he means to be encouraging. In verse 15, he says that everyone who is found in the kingdom will eat bread with, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And it's a good statement, but it's an incomplete statement because he says, we'll eat bread in the kingdom of God. And it speaks only to our physical needs, speaks only to our physical need to be nourished. It speaks only to our, our need to eat something for our physical and our temporal bodies. But I have to think about Jesus in Matthew 4, when he had just come out of 40 days of prayer and of fasting, and he was dri- driven into the wilderness to be tested by the enemy. And the enemy comes against him, and he says, you see these stones, I know you're hungry, Why don't you go ahead and turn these stones into bread? Come and live on this bread. And Jesus, first of all, it reminds me of the things that we have to be hungry of the right things. Jesus had spent so much time with the Father, so much time in his presence, so much time fasting, that even when his physical body was hungry, even when he physically needed some nourishment, he couldn't be drawn off path, and he couldn't be taken out of his purpose and out of the thing that God had asked him to do because he was still more hungry for the presence of God than he was the thing that was being put in front of him. And we have to keep asking ourselves, what am I hungry for? Am I hungering after his kingdom or am I hungering after just getting my physical needs met? And then Jesus responds to him by quoting Deuteronomy 8. He gives us a picture, a template for what we do when the enemy comes against us, when we're tempted and we're tried. He says, don't just come at it with your feelings. Don't just come at it with your logic. Don't just try to come at it. No, no, no. Because you've tasted and seen of the word of God, you respond to temptation 
with the word of God because you've buried it in your heart when he quotes Deuteronomy 8 because every word that comes from God's mouth is worthy to build your life on and to strengthen you and to encourage you. It is trustworthy and it is true. In a couple weeks, we're going to be starting a new series called Just Like He Said. We're going to talk about the words of Jesus and how we build our life on them. And when Jesus responds to the enemy, he does that. And he says, man does not live on bread alone. Yeah, I need the bread. I need something to feed my physical body because God has given me this physical body and I need it to be strengthened and encouraged. But I don't live on bread alone. I live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, from every answer he has given me when I came and I sat at his table. I don't live on bread alone. I live on what I heard when I came and I tasted to see how good my God is. When I came and I sat at his table, when I first came to the table that says, taste and see that my Lord, that my God, that the God Almighty is good. And no wonder we don't have things to serve to other people when we've been so busy running around. We've been so busy tasting of every other table. We've been so busy searching after every other thing that we've neglected the moment and the place that he's called. He says, I have a table prepared for you right in the midst of all of it, right in the midst of everything that's going on. Come and taste and see that it's so good. And if we are going to be people who are running After other people, bringing in our neighbors, bringing in the sick and the lost and the lame and the wandering from the highways and the byways saying, it looks like you're going in one direction, but God has another path for you. We have to be people who come after his presence, who have tasted of his table, who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We can't keep setting up our tables. We have to guard against the drawing away, the drawing away from his table and keep responding to our first yes. Our first yes that said, yes, I want to be found in your house. Yes, I want to be found at your table. Because when we prepare tables that have food on them, that gather people around them, but they don't have his presence, we have still prepared an empty table. Bread and bread alone is not what our community needs. Bread and bread alone is not what our city needs. Bread and bread alone is not what your family needs. Bringing them around bread and bread alone will only, will only feed their physical needs. But when you gather them around bread at his table, in his presence, when you set your table with his presence... Every need can be met at that table. Every answer can be found at that table. Every concern and worry can be lifted at that table. Every sickness can be, can be released at that table. Every addiction can be lifted at that table. Every relationship can be re- restored at that table. Every lost soul can become found and saved at that table when we gather people around the table of his presence because we have been found in his presence. Stanley Gren says it this way. He says, for Jesus, the foundation to life in community was life in community with his father. 
Jesus was continually conscious of living in the presence of his father. Are you continually conscious of living in his presence? Of making sure that every day we are walking in his presence. We are experiencing his goodness. We are tasting of what he has prepared for us at his table. So that we have something valuable to distribute. Something that drives us into community with others. Not just what we've cooked up, not just what we felt, not just what we want or desire, but a filter that says, God, your presence is so abundant that I have to take it out into my community. If we look back at Psalm 34, in the portion before where we started, at the very beginning of the chapter, Psalm 34, starting in verse 1, it tells us, it gives us the pathway to walking into his presence, to entering into the table that he has set for us. I want to encourage you to mark down Psalm 34, 1 through 3, and to every day this week, just begin your day reading these verses, speaking these verses over your life, entering into his presence. Because the first table we have to come to is the table of his presence, the table that he has prepared for us. Psalms 34 says this. Why don't you stand with me as we read this, everyone who can. This is the way that we enter into his presence. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Come on, let's read it one more time. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The pathway into his presence is lifting him up, is glorifying his name. The pathway that he has set to his table is saying, I will boast of my Lord. I will say that he is good, that he is great, that he is mighty and that he is awesome. And it's from that table that I have something to take to my community. It's from that table that I have something to set at my own table. But unless I've begun my day, unless I've begun my life, unless I've countered myself around tasting from his table, what is it that I have to offer? What is it that I have to bring? So God, we ask you to make us people who run first to your table. Help us exalt your name. Help us lift you up. Help us boast in you and bless your name all the days of our life, God. Let us taste and see how good you are. God, make us people of your presence. And help us distribute what we have tasted at your table everywhere that we go. We thank you for it, God. 
I hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.